Hey, Murdoch, have you ever heard of the Didache? The Didache? Man, get out of here and go read your Bible. All right, welcome to Your Church Friends Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Mirdach. So, uh, I would say, like, through my marriage, Justine has created a lot of adventures for me and gotten me into some things that I would say I have never would have put myself in a situation. You know, I've told you how quick my brain thinks, yeah. and I will just, after every word, keep finishing someone's sentence. Uh-huh. That sentence had so many endings to it <laughs> that I'm more expected than how it yeah, ended. Yeah. So, man, your marriage is in a good place compared to what I thought. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I but mean, these I'm, adventures. What, what I'm adventures? pretty sure the podcast would be like, so here's my marriage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, so like when we first got um, bought our house, uh, we went and we were like getting a bunch of stuff like out of it, like, you know, remodeling the inside, mm-hmm. some minor things we could do landscaping things cut down a tree giant tree those in our front yard and she was like we could just take it to the dump and i was like we just hire let, let's just get one of those big old dumpsters throw it all in there they pick it up and they take it she's like no, no no my dad has a truck we'll load up his truck and we'll just take all this stuff to the the junkyard or mm-hmm. no no to the trash area where they like the trash can places go and they dump all the stuff and i was like okay sure she's like it'll be a lot cheaper they weigh by the pound yada, yada, yada. so we did it and we pull into where all the trash cans or trash cars dump the trash of everybody in the city. And this place reeked. Yeah, I would think so. It just smelled. And I'm like throwing stuff out of her truck, dad's truck, shoveling stuff out with my nose covered. Just looking at her like, what did you get me into? This is ridiculous. We did it like four more times because we had a bunch of stuff. And at that point, I was already in. On our honeymoon, we were driving to get a massage. I had never got one before. And like... Or, or even the better part of driving to our honeymoon in Arizona. This is before GPS. Mm-hmm. Um, so you printed out MapQuest? Printed out MapQuest and all that stuff for everywhere we needed to be and our uh, reservations to our hotel. Um, and <laughs> we decided to leave at midnight because to beat traffic and we were young and crazy. And it then uh, halfway there, she's like, oh, I think I forgot the papers. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm like, it's midnight or at this point it's like 3 a.m and i'm like what we're not turning back what's going she ended up finding them uh, on the way to the massage place it took us like straight into a mountain and i was like where do i go here and she's like the paper says straight and i was like i can't the there's... amount of people that have drove and driven off of mountains <laughs> because the gps just right? said, i should keep going there's no road i don't know what it says so i would think after all these years there's many other stories in between then and now i would be used to it but just recently quite possibly one of the worst adventure experiences ever. Uh, We're doing some landscaping in our front yard, and we want to put uh, wood chips in certain areas where we grow stuff in the front, like um, little plants and stuff like that. And then in the middle, we're going to have grass, and uh, we were going to use some around the back around our chicken coop. And she was like, yeah, but I could get this company. They deliver, like, you know, wood chips, and uh, it's all free. They'll just drop it off. And I was like, okay, fine. So they deliver it, and I go to take the kids to school, and when I come back, our driveway from the very back of it to literally the street, and this has to be like over 20 feet long, maybe 30, 
and about a five foot mountain high, seven of them is filled with wood chips. Wow. Yeah. And when I use the wood chips I need, I didn't even put a dent in this thing. So we have now for like probably two to three weeks, wood chips. Luckily, people have come and taken some. Were you allowed to tell them that you're just doing a small project? I don't know, because I wasn't there when they was dumped Justine it out. I'm just like, yeah, we need to cover the whole backyard. <laughs> yeah, she was like, <laughs> we need to cover everything. Uh, I wasn't there when they dropped it off, so I really would have no idea how much they would have delivered. Uh, but thankfully, my family came that night just so we could move it so we could park a car in the driveway. Um, I, I'm sitting on top of this mountain of wood chips, and I just looked at her and I was like, this is the worst experience as far as like adventures you've gotten me into. Like this one is the worst. My back was hurting. I was sore. I was tired. Pretty good at shoveling now. Um, say, it sounds like you're just blaming her for you being old. <laughs> yeah, it's part of it. But I'm tired of my backers. So why are you yeah, blaming me? We, we spent probably like three, week, three weeks of this. And now my ultimate idea to get rid of these wood chips, because we've used them everywhere we need to. People have come and got some, is just start a fire in the backyard somewhere. Oh. I'm down. Yeah. I like fires. Yeah. So bonfires. That's been what's going on with me in my life the last three weeks. Yeah. I saw some of the pictures online, but I didn't realize it was <laughs> quite like that. Um, you want to know a really good segue, but it's not as good because now I'm mentioning it. What is it? That sounds like such a crazy adventure, almost like us getting into this adventure of Didache. Oh, yeah. That yeah. is a good segue. I like that one. <laughs> Yeah, that is a crazy adventure. We're going to be covering the Didache uh, in this excluded books of the Bible season. Uh, we got the Didache, we got the Shepherd of Hermas, and we have the most controversial of all, First Enoch. Uh, I think it's going to be fun and exciting going through them all. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. So we'll get started with the Didache. Yeah. All right, let's jump into it then. You want me to go first? Uh, always. <laughs> All right. Uh, I tend to think that you have a plan. <laughs> no, I have So no when plan. we're getting into it and you're just like, so let's do it. I'm like, yes. Here's the thing. I have notes. I have no plan because what I've frequently noticed is that even with all my notes, um, you could say something that just makes my brain go in a completely different direction and then I'm off my notes. Uh, so I've learned to structure my notes around uh, a lot of information that if we get talking on something, mm -hmm. then I have something for it. It's weird that we study to have a conversation. Right. Like we want to be able to go back and forth on this. Mm -hmm. So we, we come with the information, but we're really just going back and forth on it. Yeah. But I know that you tend to have like your, cool, what is it? What are we doing here? And oh, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll look at uh, today, uh, what is the history of the Didache? And then I have um, uh, six themes that I really saw are pulled from the Didache. So it's a moral instruction baptism, prayer, um, the Eucharist, which is just communion, uh, teachers, and then the apocalypse. Um, so I think for today, we'll hit moral instruction and then what is the Didache. So for everyone listening, you'll at least know how what it was, how it's come back into the fold, and uh, where to kind of find a resource for it. And then we'll look at the moral instructions, kind of getting more into the book of the Didache itself in the, I think it's 16 chapters. Um, so, so for next episode, we'll get into the next six, so two to six, and then uh, we'll tell that off with how can we still view the Didache in the church today. Yeah. That, that one should be a fun one too. So let's get rolling. What is the Didache? The Didache, well, it's known as the Teaching of the Twelve Apostles is the short title, right? 
Um, but the full title would be The Teaching of the Lord to the Gentiles through the Twelve Apostles. And I say Gentiles. Depending on what translation you pull up, it could be the teaching of the Lord to the heathens or yeah. the teaching of the Lord to the nations, which in case you didn't know, Gentiles, heathens, nations, it means nations. It basically means not Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're like, oh, heathens. So like after doing things, they're like, yeah, because they're not Jewish. They're not following Yahweh. Yeah, we really turned that into an insult. Yeah, even uh, my daughter the other day said something about like a heathen. I'm like, where'd you get? Oh, you probably got it from me. But yeah, yeah. I do it sometimes. Like if I'm messing with Justine and joking with the kids, I'm like, oh, you little heathens. Um, but I mean, it's the people who aren't following yeah, God. Yeah, following yeah. the other God, so to speak. So yeah, that'll get you into trouble. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah it's the teaching, the teaching yeah. of the 12. Basically, inside of it, it's basic Christian principles for godly living, uh, conversion, and then the rituals that happen within the church. Really, uh, for me, I looked at it as a church manual or a handbook. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like basically, these are the ethics and church order that we have uh, that the early church was using to give to new believers. Um, and in a sense, I see it as today as like what we would call 101 or 201 classes in a lot of the major churches. They have these like Here's the introduction to Christianity type classes. Uh, so the Didache was really that. It was what the early church thought new Christians needed to learn as they made their way through the church. Yeah, and in looking at that, of just how you're saying giving this teaching to Christians, um, this wasn't like a church manual in the aspect of later things that came, like here's church structure mm-hmm. and kind of all the things on like how to run the church in that aspect. It was more of, you could almost even call it like a community manual. Mm-hmm. Right. So as you're coming into the Christian community, here's, as you said, the moral, how to live things out. And as we get into there's the two ways. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're, you want to follow the right way. Um, but then I said some of the rituals that, hey, these are the things that we practice and even be aware of with, hey, there are teachers and here's how you treat them. And here's how you should also be aware of some aspects yeah. of them. Um, but I like it because what it is as you're talking like a 101 type class or introductory type class. I like it because it gives the, here's how we live Mm -hmm. up front. It's not really so much of, here's some heady knowledge on things that you have to understand and believe, which I feel is kind of a distinction between maybe some modern Western churches to where we tend to promote like, well, here, let's get into Romans and tear this thing up. And here's all these things that you need to believe about yourself and sin and salvation and all of these things. And the Didache really comes in like, cool, so there's the right way to live and there's the wrong way to live and as a christian you're following this path and kind of leads on from there so i like the practicality of it yeah i really like the practicality yeah so so that's really what it is in a nutshell um uh when it was written uh so again uh the heading of it is the uh the lord's teaching to the at mine says heathen uh, by the twelve apostles. So uh, when it was written, is kind of up in the air. Uh, there is a time frame. It's between fifty to one hundred and fifty A.D. Uh, but it's really like, okay, if this was uh, what the twelve taught everyone, and it was from God, then it has to be around that fifty time frame, uh, really closer, because like you know, the time to reflect Paul and James running the church because they died around sixty A.D. Uh, uh, so it would kind of tie more into that time frame. But uh, a lot of with it has been like, it's it's a compilation of mm-hmm. things. Uh, so it's been um, not edited, but upgraded or changed here and there. I think as the edit is, edited is yeah, an appropriate but, term to use. We tend to, we, like some people when they hear edited, they're just like, oh, they changed it yeah, in a bad way and they took it away. But, bad thought of it. 
like they're humans, mm-hmm. right? And if you're compiling a book and you're pulling things in, like an editing process happens to get it to a form that's appropriate, right? Mm-hmm. We, I don't have the view of inspiration to where it's, oh, God took over my body and gave me every single word to write perfectly in this thing. And like, that's just what it was. First draft, God's draft, right? Yeah. I, I tend to think that God can work through an editing process, even as you look at the Bible as a whole over the course of centuries to where you can get notes that get added in. So it was like, even that's what this thing is called today. So mm-hmm. obviously someone's like, hey, I'm telling about yeah, that yeah, thing back yeah. then. And here's what it, is, it still is that thing. Yeah. You see a lot of that in like uh, Judges and Joshua and, mm-hmm. and Samuel and kind of those books. Like this is what that place is. Or even in Genesis where like uh, Abraham, uh, made a well right here and this is what this place is today right. yeah so i said that you see that happening in scripture now did it k not quite scripture right uh, wait, wait wait let's stay on the date thing yeah, real quick before we get into get, that get into that because we could talk about uh the date the origin and then we'll get into that conversation with it uh but yeah it's just it's difficult to really pin down there's lack of hard hard evidence for it um and like i said the the it's a compilation of things uh there are some things though that uh really tend to lean more towards early in church time. And I'm just going to say, because I think I said it way back, this might have been some of the early podcast episodes. I think that this is a first century document. I think that it came very closely around the same time as all the rest of the writings. Mm-hmm. And even though I guess if you were to follow the like the, oh, I keep getting ahead of myself. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's an early writing. It's an early writing. Uh, so there's some facts too. I just really want to say, I think that it should be right in there alongside the Bible. Even if you don't consider it canon, it yeah. should be the appendix that's included with everything. I just had to get it out. Cool. Dates. <laughs> we'll I think talk- it's like around the 60s. <laughs> and we'll talk more about that thought process in the next episode. Uh, but to kind of back up your 60s yes, thought yes. process, uh, the simplicity of the prayer uh, the form of church organization like bishops and deacons, uh, the continued existence of traveling apostles and prophets, and then also resident ministers. Um, all this reflects a time, like I said earlier, closer to P- Paul and James than it does like Ignatius or something. Yeah, basically where the church had been established and then yeah. started to create like, cool, now these communities have been here for a bit. Here's how we're handling them out. Mm-hmm. This is definitely, yeah, it seems like more of the, hey, in the current form of the, again, this is the apostles, the 12 apostles going out and what they're teaching. They were still, it wasn't just the 12 going out. They were still sending out other teachers and it was spreading and spreading and spreading. So yeah, between the, just the church order that it kind of brings in, the community order, as you're saying, the teachings and whatnot, I think that it leads to earlier, as well as when you look at some of it um, from things that I studied, is that it really looks like it was sourced from a lot more of Jewish thought, like really using the Talmud as some of the background for it Mm -hmm. and things like that. And whereas you see... The early church had much more of that Jewish thought to it versus later on when things, you know, kind of more to the Gentiles, to those heathens and, you know, <laughs> got away from that a little yeah. bit, which, again, the apostles being Jews and kind of relying on that and putting it out. That's where I don't see maybe later on. I think you said 150 was kind of the max, the, the max yeah. out there. I really see the church at that time being a lot more Greek influenced and away from the Hebrew way of even presenting things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's where a lot of people place it at. Um, like I said earlier, uh, it was believed to have been written by the Twelve, uh, suggested by the title, but the author is unknown. And then because of the revisions, there's just so much to it. Um, Real quick, I know I came across for dating that like around 130 was a really popular take. Yeah. Did you have like a why? Uh, no, I never saw why. 
but I saw. I, just know that, I kept seeing that pop up, but then when I yeah. look at other evidence, I was like, it really doesn't seem like that. But one thirty for some reason really. Seemed... I think this might give a good answer to it. Why? Um, there's a. I read a quote from one of the commentaries on it by uh, Doctor C. Taylor. And he says the primitive church had, instead of the New Testament, a body of teachings, mm -hmm. which was at first from the nature of the case, wholly unwritten, so basically spoken. Yeah. Uh, to this, St. Paul alludes when he lays down that a bishop must be blameless, holding to the faithful words, which according to the teaching, that's in mm -hmm. Titus. Um, and then Justin Martyr again expressly refers to it as speaking of Christ as attested by the words of the teaching and the prophets to him. Uh, and then the, the teaching would sometimes be spoken of as the Lord's and after a while as the apostles. So you see that in Second John 9 and then Acts 2.42, uh, just as the Jews spoke of the Torah absolutely and the Torah of Moses and of the Lord. And yeah, okay, I can kind of see that. I think part of it too that came to my mind is where you've got as you kind of talked about the structure is you have that first part that's called the two ways. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's looked at being almost separate than some of the other stuff. Mm -hmm. And so when they're looking at dating and again, the composition, cause you see that two ways pop up in a lot of areas, whereas the other part kind of getting added into it. It's like, yeah, when was it written? I think that one thirty might've been that composition date. Yeah. Cause as you were saying, what was actually being taught. Already said. So that's where for me, okay, the dedicate as a written document, might have been 130. Mm -hmm. I think that probably was written down before then. But I think that what is within it was definitely happening in the mm -hmm. first century, which to me is the more important. I could say something today, and if it gets written down in 15 years, I still said it today, and yeah. we're running with it today. It's almost like when you look at the Gospel of Luke to Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain, mm -hmm. um, which you notice like the Sermon on the Mount is basically scattered throughout like chapters of Luke's Gospel. Uh, and it's not like the consistent teaching like the Sermon on the Mount. So it's like uh, understanding that Jesus was kind of going around saying these things in his three-year right. time frame. He was a, over a traveling over. preacher. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the Didache could be looked at in the same way in those beginning years. This is what the early church leaders are going around telling everyone. This is what they're right. being taught. And then someone was like, it would just be easier if we put this down on pen and paper. Uh, and, you know, some people viewed it as non-canonical like you were saying like you wanted like in the appendix i mean we, we talked about this the other day we were joking right like why do the bibles have like all those maps of where paul traveled this would be way more important than like yeah. where paul traveled so uh it's although it's viewed non-canonical the didache has some level of authority in the early church uh as it was part of a collection known as the apostolic fathers yeah and those apostolic fathers it's a collection of the early christian writings Normally included the Didache, which are covering uh, First Clement, Second Clement, uh, Barnabas, the letters of Ignatius, the letters of Polycarp to the Philippians, the Shepherd of Hermas, which we are going to be covering in a few mm -hmm. episodes, and then the writings of Papias, which um, Papias? <laughs> no, it just it's a funny Papias. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Italian guy, the him Italian. And, yeah, him and Malici. Yeah, him and Malici, <laughs> the two Italians. <laughs> um, yeah, looking at them, they are all within, you know, up to what, 150, 160-ish? Yeah, I have a 80 AD through about 220 would be around that time with all those writings. Okay. Yeah, some of those guys, even when you're looking at knowing who wrote the New Testament, sorry, I just watched a TikTok on this, about like, oh, who's it? they said that we don't know who wrote the New Testament. 
And I know that Papias, he wrote some stuff and the mm -hmm. other guys are just like, hey, yeah, when Matthew wrote this or Mark was going around with Peter and he wrote down what Peter was talking about. And even though it wasn't really written in order so, and just. So, again, these early church writings, when you hear about different things, we tend to trust these people. Yeah, which is it's just weird because uh, a lot of times nowadays they don't. When that's what's weird. I was talking with Josiah about this because if it was any other ancient document this is the kind of stuff that you're like oh man look at it. it's so well attested there's all these people talking about it and look at the time frames and all this stuff but it's the bible so we're like oh no that they're just supporting it for some weird reason yeah it's really interesting yeah uh clement origin and didymus the blind used it as scripture so when they used it they used the didicate as scripture oh, interesting uh, it's almost like it should be in the bible <laughs> It's uh, mentioned by Eusebius and Athanasius. Uh, they regarded it both as a good book uh, for new Christians to read. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, no copy was really known to come into existence until 1873. Um, and that's where the Didache kind of was discovered and popped out, but it wasn't published to 1883. Uh, so the story of how it was found was really interesting. You want to get into that? Yeah, so as you mentioned, it was discovered in 1873 by Philotheos Brienios. And he was a guy that, for me, he was almost like a Michael Heiser of his day. Mm. He was a scholar, and kind of his story is where he was growing up. He was spotted as being a bright guy. So he got sponsored to be able to go and get involved in seminary and get taught on these things and go on these, you know, travel and like, cool, you did as much here, let you get you plugged in somewhere else. And again, just sponsorship coming through it. So he was a bright guy and he um, just had a hunger to get into these things. And I guess he was looking through this codex, right? Mm -hmm. it was, so to jump forward from, cool, he got sponsored, he was smart, and then he gets to the spot and he finds this codex and he's going through and this is a known document that people have had, but he's just the guy that's actually taking it page by page to read it, to see what's in there. Cause everyone else does what I would do with the document. Kind of when I use my Bible software, I'm like, cool, I want to find out something about this. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to read every page in this thing. I just want to know about this. So everyone else is doing that. Whereas this guy was like, let me look at all of the pages. And he comes across the Didache. Yeah. Which is just the find of a century because when was the last time that it was referenced and was in like 1100 or something like yeah something like that so here you have an 1800 so it was at least 700 years that this thing was out of contact on he comes across it and like you said he kept it secret for seven years as he went through and was he translating it during that time i think he was studying and translating it for like uh yeah during that time which is crazy too it's because uh during this time of it, there was mentions of it in other workings. Like mm -hmm. we said, Clement, Origen, Didymus the Blind, Eusebius, all these people, the early church history, were mentioning this document that was like really important to them. And then it was just like nowhere to be found. There was fragments of it, so there was a no it was known. That's when they know like, oh, part of the two ways and yeah. different stuff. Yeah. So there are fragments of it, but there was never this complete manuscript of it. And well, there was, but no one was reading it because no one was looking for it. I'm like, it's in the Vatican library. 
We need Nicolas Cage. Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> National Treasure reference. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> um, I really like those movies. Yeah, too. They're, they're pretty fun. Yeah, it's way better than going Da Vinci Code route with it. Ah, uh, yeah, it really is. What was Tom? Dude, I think that that's probably some of the only Nicolas Cage that I like. But I don't want to digress on any of that stuff. But the one thing I'm gonna digress in oh. is what was happening with Tom Hanks's hair during the Da Vinci Code. It looked like Nicolas Cage's hair. I wonder if he was going for like a, I'm Nicolas Cage of this. Anyways, go ahead. I yeah. digress too much. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, he finds it. Again, this is just the fine. It's because to me, man, it's the 1800s. It's 1873 that he finds it. Mm-hmm. That's Reformation has already happened. Like the yeah. dudes going through the Reformation don't have this book, you know? And it's just one of those things that when we read the Old Testament, it's like, oh, if you want to know more about that, read it in the Annals of the King mm-hmm. and stuff. And all right, so the Didache isn't mentioned in the New Testament, but we have all these other guys talking yeah. about it. Um, and then here it is. It's just such a cool discovery. And I really, really like this book. So thank you, Philotheos. We are honoring you as well, yeah. my scholarly friend. Yes, for finding it. Uh, Thomas O'Laughlin. He has the Didache, A Window on the Earliest Christians. That is a good book. It is a great resource. This is why I'm mentioning it and not just ripping from it like I do a lot of other things. <laughs> uh, so if you want more information and really to tell the story of what happened, go and read that book. I'm going to just yeah, read, use like, our podcast as a primer, but like yeah. go read that book and you'll get like, cool. You'll get the really deep stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to read just a portion of it because as a commentary of the book, he also storytells mm-hmm. with it. Uh, which I find is fantastic. So he said, it's the stuff scholars dream of, uh, the plot of hundreds of films. A young library-bound academic turns over the leaf of an ancient manuscript, and there, there before his eyes, is a long-lost text. People had heard of it and wondered about it, but now, without a doubt, he has found it. It's a eureka moment. The scholar's life will change from obscurity behind bookshelves. He will become world-famous. Indeed, the whole... Uh, discipline will be changed by his discovery. What has he found in this ancient handwritten codex? A booklet used in the very first decades of his religion. It's older than most of his religion's religion's most famous records and gives a completely new slate of how its adherents lived their lives, saw themselves, and expressed their beliefs. It is a short text and deceptively simple, but it will cause an earthquake that will shake thousand-year-old certainties beginning a revolution that changes the way a worldwide religion looks at its most august books and thinks about its own origins. The only element from the movie that is missing in this story is that of a secret plan to hide the discovery and destroy the evidence. It seems too bizarre to be true, but that, in a nutshell, is the story of the discovery of the Didache in 1873. Like the secret plot. I'm just thinking... The Vatican Library. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nicolas Cage, get him on it. Uh, But yeah, I I just really love the way he painted the picture Mm -hmm. of this discovery because it is. And and the fact that like you can go to so many people in church today, and and I'm going to talk more about this in the next episode, but you could go uh, to, I would say, over 99% of people in the church today, even including pastors, and say, what's the Didache? And they're going to be like, I don't know, what's the Didache with you? And, <laughs> uh, because it's, it's not really taught anymore. So it's not even looked at as a resource for our, our, uh, our faith. Yeah, that's why I'm so thankful to Pastor Bruce, the guy that was coming up, coming up under when I first came back into the church, because he introduced it to me. And I think we're looking at the baptism section, because the baptism mm-hmm. section is really interesting, because we're as a Baptist church, and just some uh, teasers. 
is it talks about, eh, yeah, fully immerse them. But if you don't have that much water, just throw some water on their head. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also supposed to be in cold water. Yeah. Living water, so to speak. Yeah. So there's just like levels of, hey, here's the most ideal, but also, hey, if you can make it happen, that's what's the most important. Um, so yeah, I remember he, I think that's why he showed it to me. I just remember reading through it. So I've been aware of it for a while because it's not like an Enoch type book. I remember just reading it and it makes sense when you read it. And you're like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Oh, it's it's kind of like James. Yeah. To me, it's like a James book. Yeah. And I think a lot of people uh, say that they're, it pulls from James. So uh, I think that's a good spot to split this episode. So we'll split this episode and save the rest of the conversation for the next episode. So I'm Chris. I'm Yurdu. We're your church friends. Thanks for listening. Has your once youthful face vanished into an unknown odor reflection? All the wrinkles telling the story of an aged face. Do you wish you could bring back the shining glow you once had? Then get ready to feel born again with the B-Attitude Beauty Products new face mask, The Noah. You trusted them with your hair when they gave you the Peacemaker Shampoo and Conditioner and the Nazarite Shampoo. Well, now you can trust them with the skin on your face. The Noah face mask deeply cleans and removes impurities that can lead to the way of death and restoring your face to the way of life. That old woman face will be rejuvenated back to those young woman looks the more you use Noah's face mask with faith. Simply apply the Noah face mask seven times a day for 16 days straight to have a smooth new face glow. Age will only be a number as your youthful radiance returns with the Noah face mask. So rush to your nearest big box retailer to get yours today. Noah face mask isn't actually sold in stores or FDA approved. Do not use the Noah face mask if you are pregnant, nursing, have back pains, have a heart condition, have recently received a vaccine, have had dental work, or if you simply enjoy having two nostrils and existing. Noah has been known to cause horns to grow from your head, a third eye to appear, cartoon-like features, hunger, and catchback fever. Excluded books of the Bible.